Welcome to Breaking Bread. I'm Terry Page. So much of your personal information has been compromised just in recent weeks. This includes a criminal group offering over $1 million of stolen credit card information for free. Let's take a look at the Utah-based Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Recently confirmed that back on March 23rd of this year, hackers gained access to his computer system and stole the personal information of church members. Anyone who created an online church account was affected by the breach. Of course, the discussion of banning TikTok has reemerged following comments by former counterterrorism analyst of, for the Defense Department, Kara Frederick, who issued a warning against using TikTok. She told Fox News that ByteDance, TikTok's parent company, has the ability to monitor individual users' locations. I am joined by Shadow and a cybersecurity professional that focuses on defense capabilities, ethical hacking, red teaming, and cyber physical systems. Shadow, welcome to Breaking Bread. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Well, Shadow, let's talk about TikTok. Now, you may remember former President Trump brought this up during his presidency that he had some concerns about TikTok and he wanted to uh, ban it altogether, but the opposition, in this case the Democrats, were not having it. Here we are again, revisiting this conversation. What say you? Right. If they want your data, they'll find a way to get it. Sure, TikTok is a pretty streamlined way to get it or, you know, grab Americans' data and things like that. But if you really think about it, there are so many other ways, right? There are hacker groups that are state-funded. There are people who directly you know attack american infrastructure and find your information through that uh through those methods and ways like that and as far as a privacy concern truthfully it's not just china that you have to worry about tiktok does no extra damage than anything american made right a lot of the a lot of people are only worried about tiktok as far as copying the contents of your clipboard or looking through your contact information if you give it permission or looking at phone call history and stuff like that that's the same thing that things like facebook some of the google apps and you know linkedin and really insert any american social media here will do it's all the same the only difference is it's owned by china so if you're really worried about your data it's already too far gone it's not really anything to worry about Okay, so I just just so I understand you here, Shadow, um, you saying that just make it easier for the Chinese to just get your information, just go ahead and stay on the app and have them access. Because according to what uh, she's saying, this is how they're getting the information. I understand what you're saying. There's other ways of, of getting it. Who is she? We were talking about former counterterrorism analyst for the Defense Department, Kara Frederick, who gotcha. issued a warning against using TikTok. Gotcha, okay. All right. Uh, Well, I will say this, right? At least for me personally, I don't really want to use TikTok and that's just my personal decision, right? But as far as, you know, people considering a risk, I'll say this. If you're worried about China having having their hands on your data, then don't use any Chinese apps. That's fine. That's your personal decision and don't use it, right? However, federally, I don't think it's going to get banned. I'm not really seeing it getting banned. And sure, yes, there's been a lot of talk of it. And here's why I don't think it's going to get banned. 
if you ban TikTok, that means you have to ban every Chinese app. Because the only difference between TikTok and any other app that's made by a Chinese parent company is that TikTok is more popular. That's really the only difference, right? So you'd have to ban every Chinese app. And of course, if you ban every Chinese app as a federal government, then China, of course, isn't going to like that. And they're going to start, you know, basically taxing the U.S. in some other way. Of course, China does a lot of manufacturing. And they'll probably say, oh, we're going to uh, slap, you know, a little extra tax for the U.S. for this reason as far as a retaliation. So as far as a federal ban, it doesn't really need to happen. But as far as someone's personal safety and security, if you don't want Chinese, uh, Chinese companies or the Chinese government using your data, just don't download Chinese apps. And that's really it. Yeah, I guess that could be an option. Uh, to your point about the, the Chinese being uh, upset, well, yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that there's the U.S. versus China, China, you know, being adversaries, yeah, if you would. Oh, yeah. And them trying to just take more control because, you know, that's pretty much what they do. Uh, so there's that part of it. You know, why not make our own apps? Why why rely on China as it is? Just just make your own development. I mean, we do. I mean, that's why we have Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Tumblr, everything that we have. Everything I just listed was American made. Precisely. So we do so have our own apps. Why not just go with this, use those particular apps? Well, that's where you get into, you know, your users and what they want, right? Just like I did list every single one of those things, each of them have their own purpose, right? You don't really find, for example, of course, it's just common knowledge to most people on the internet these days, but most young people aren't on Facebook. Uh, a lot of people who aren't really visually stimulated aren't on Instagram, right? A lot of your comedians and stuff like that aren't necessarily on Snapchat because it can't reach a big audience. They're on Twitter. You know, there are different uses for every single thing. What is TikTok mostly used for? I mostly see it used, you know, by a younger audience and stuff like that. And people do a lot, a lot of dance content and the music stuff on there. And then some funny stuff too, but I mean, that, it just depends on what people want to use it for. Right? Hey, you can learn a lot so. of cool moves from watching TikTok. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, if that's what people want to use it for, then it's fine, right? I mean... I don't really care what you're using anything for. It's more of just everybody's like, oh, no, the fa the federal government is going to ban TikTok. It, it, I don't think. You don't think will. it's going to happen. No, because I will just say I, I've honestly fallen off this conversation. I don't even look at this kind of stuff anymore. But when I did look at it, I think it was 2020 when Trump was looking at trying to uh, trying to ban it. Right. And then he partnered with. I believe it was Walmart and Oracle. Oracle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, trying to make their own American version of, of TikTok. And like you said, your original question, TikTok, what makes it so special? Why not get on American apps? Well, I mean, A, they don't want to, but B, TikTok is known as having the crown jewels of the best algorithm out there, right? So as we all know, to, uh, any, any social media is going to feed you curated content that isn't even in a chronological order anymore. It's just going to be what they think you want to see. A lot of people have claimed that TikTok has the best curated content for exactly what people want to see, when, and exactly how. So, I mean, and, you know, we've all heard the stories of how they have the best algorithm and all that well that's why right if american uh if american social media like twitter would get its act together right they would be able to support you know a, a user base that would keep coming back so again as far as safety and security it comes up it's up to you and as far as what you want to use it for it's also up to you but i really don't think the u.s is going to ban it and even if they do it's just going to cause more problems than if they just have said hey if you care about your privacy and security, don't use it. But 
Okay. Yeah, we'll come back to that in a second as far as the, the banning portion. But I was thinking about what you what you were just saying as far as, you know, Twitter and Facebook getting their act together. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm kinda looking at the moves that have been made of for Facebook uh in particular, where you see a platform that's coming in into fruition and Mark Zuckerberg would go and block that. For example, Oh, the name slips in right now, but they, their whole platform is just like all, just all video, right? Okay. And then uh, Mark took that platform and you know and kind of incorporated that into Facebook, um, and that's how you got Facebook Live because that was their whole just everything's live. Oh. So they I so they know. took that concept. Um, so then you had Instagram, which was. You know, we all, a lot of people use Instagram, you know, myself included. Mm-hmm. And there was that platform. So what Facebook did is they went ahead and purchased Instagram. So my point is there wasn't a lot of innovation to it. It was just like, oh, let's just take what these people are doing and just make it a part of our own platform. Right. Meanwhile, ByteDance is just like, well, hey, wait a minute. We'll get TikTok. We'll have our own platform. We'll come up with these smart algorithms, which is part of what the other social media was doing. But we're going to be really, really smart about it mm-hmm. and just make it really clever and massive, which is what they did. And the other people just kind of got stuck behind. Also, you mentioned uh, Walmart and Oracle and how that was all taking place back in 2020. They tried to make their own. They did not. Work. Right. Now, we, we actually had a show on that uh, here on Breaking Bread. And what we talked about was perhaps uh, the Oracle would kind of, instead of uh, ByteDance, taking all your personal information, that would be stored with Oracle. And that would solve that issue. That was kind of like the, mm-hmm. the the negotiation, if you would. Yeah. You know, kind of meeting in the middle, of, meeting if, in the middle, if you would. And it fell through. And, right. And it fell through. That didn't happen. So now, fast forward, 2022, you got FCC Commissioner Brandon Carr. And he is calling for an outright ban on TikTok. And he argues that it's not a way to create sufficient protection of data to keep it out of the hands of the Chinese. So that's that's his concern. They're having the conversation. Now, whether and he's right, look, whether they're going to do it or not, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. But this is the direction that they're they're trying to go in at this point. Yeah, you're not going to keep that data out of the Chinese out of the Chinese hands if you don't ban it. But truthfully, again, this is just my opinion here. Why do you need to? If people don't want that data in Chinese hands, don't use the app, right? But again, you ban TikTok, you open a can of worms. You have to ban every single Chinese app. And while the U.S. doesn't really use as many Chinese apps, there are some that the U.S. uses that clearly aren't as popular as TikTok. But the only difference is that TikTok is popular. That's the only difference. TikTok is extremely popular. One I billion mean, users. It, it, it is just and it's growing every day. And the medium I couldn't think of, app I couldn't think of, was Periscope. I don't know if you've ever used oh, it. Oh, gosh, I forgot about that. Yes. It, yeah, wasn't that Twitter's product? Did Twitter buy that? Um, I'll, I'll have to fact check that because yeah. Yeah, okay. memory escapes me because, it, like you said, it's been a while. Yeah. But I do remember Periscope, and people were jumping on it. And it was I loved it. I love Periscope. But then when Facebook started doing it, going live, people went away from Periscope. Oh, yeah, they did have and the they, live thing. And they and that's how and yeah, they all went to social Facebook. media all plays off of each other. I mean, Instagram Reels is to, is why... Uh, TikTok is why we have Instagram Reels, right? Uh, everybody copied off of Snapchat stories, you know, and all that. Now Meta is using that in all their products. Yeah, I mean, they're all going to copy each other. But again, if it's really that big a deal, you know what I mean? Just don't use the app. For me personally, I don't 
really want Chinese apps on my phone. But again, that's me personally. If you don't care about that threat, uh, you know, if that's not a possible threat to you, then download the app. You know what I mean? But I don't think that it's going to get banned. And let me tell you, if it does get banned, China is going to retaliate because I'm pretty sure we uh, we as the U.S. are the number one or number two country <laughs> that uses TikTok. So that yeah. would cut a lot of ByteDance's money out. I mean, you know, this is the whole Huawei phones thing again. You remember uh, you remember the whole thing about Huawei? Yeah. Yeah, Huawei phones and laptops. Yep. The only that reason why America video. cares about this is because it's popular, right? Any, you know, Chinese apps or any hardware or software that is Chinese that isn't popular and that's not on America's radar as a whole, they don't care about. But once it gets popular, they worry about all these different things and all this, you know, backdoors and data being stolen and taken and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, if, if they're really going to ban TikTok, that means that they have to now audit and ban every single piece of har- Chinese hardware and software. And trust me, that will escalate very quickly. Here's why I'm leaning toward agreeing with you as far as it not being banned. A lot of this comes down to being political. The same reason it wasn't banned in 2020. That it's political. At that time, is you know, Donald Trump came with the idea, so automatically it's you know, the Democrats didn't want to do it. But now the Democratic Party, that's a big part of their voter base. People who use TikTok. Really? Yes. Democrats use TikTok. I know. Yeah. So you don't want to do that because now you've made a good part of your base angry with you. You don't want to do that. You want you want the vote. So you'll kind of will leave that. So that's really I'm kind of leaning toward it won't happen. If not for that reason alone, hey, you know, vote. You don't get in office. You can't do stuff. So yeah, they're, they're going to look at that. I think it's a nothing burger. Just nationalism to spike and to drive patriotism. Look, a lot of stuff you know hits the news. There's a lot of chit chat about it, and it goes on for sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, well, and then yeah. it's gone, and it's gone to the next thing. Yeah, we talked about this in 2021, right? Or 2020. I think 2020 we had this conversation. Right. And and, so, and, and here we are. Yeah. So, yeah. honestly, it's not going to happen. And, again, if it does, that will escalate very quickly if they're serious about it. Because so, there's no point in banning TikTok if you don't ban everything else. Now, here's what's interesting. Okay, you're saying that China will get mad. I'm saying vote. To me, the politicians are more, con- the politicians are more concerned about losing votes than they are afraid of China. Yeah, because it's not really the same situation as, uh, I don't know if you know, but I believe Germany and one other country recently stopped using, I believe it was Microsoft products, simply because they didn't trust America and its privacy laws and all that kind of stuff. And of course, you know, Microsoft specifically, but America didn't really like that too much because those are huge enterprise level customers out there. And again, it's all the same thing. It's like, hey, you're cutting off a large part of my revenue source. And it's okay, well, I'm going to escalate this, right? If you're not going to allow my stuff, I'm not going to allow your stuff. Just out of pettiness. But Tit for tat. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so it's not going to happen. Yeah. And again, so, if it does, then it'll be, it'll blow up. <laughs> so yeah, at Microsoft, they've had their problems they've had their breaches you know i know they try to downplay it but they've, they've had their issues yeah. as well and speaking of which you know we've had over the course of this year in general but certain situations where there's, there's been certain breaches you can point in different areas and find it like the church of jesus christ latter-day saints for example they've had their breach now we're talking 
you know, your personal data, your home address, your phone number, username, your email address, birthday, all of this happening with that situation. Now, I, I've mentioned the show before, a lot of times you can do your whole protection individual as, you, as much as you can, but when it goes to another source, in this case, the church, and then it's breached by the church, what the heck are you supposed to do? I mean, you can't help but if someone breaches that, that framework, so I don't know. I mean, the, the well, the number one answer is first of all, especially before the breach. So anytime you're signing up for anything, do not reuse passwords. Again, I don't know how many times people have to explain this, but if you get if a company gets breached and you use that company's services, it's happened to literally all of us. You either know that it happened or you don't, but it happened. If a company gets breached and let's say passwords are exposed and you're using the same password for every single service, then your password for every single service is exposed, right? It might be your name, your username, your password, all that kind of stuff. And then what the attacker will do is learn more about, you know, what services you're using, typically through ad data, uh, sometimes just common knowledge and extrapolation. For instance, if you're using YouTube, you clearly have a Gmail account. You know, you know, little things like that, right? And then just make a little bit of extrapolation. Maybe you have a uh, uh, an account in your local DMV or something like that. It, you know, it's just common knowledge. They will do something called password spraying and where they will try that password in every possible location that they can. And they will use that email and that same password. And if it works, well, then your entire identity has been compromised. So that one thing, just don't use the same password anywhere. Another thing, if you are, if you do find yourself in a situation where a company or service that you use has been breached, go ahead and try to switch out as much of that information as you can. Yes, you can get a new username, you can get a new password. It is a little bit more difficult to get new credit cards and stuff like that. Obviously a hassle, but not impossible, right? If you notice anything weird, go ahead, call your fraud, your fraud department, uh, try to make sure to see if anything is if anything that is harder to change than, you know, a simple password or something like that, how to switch that out. Uh, and I will just add, by the way, in that uh, the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints, there was no actual banking or donor information that was compromised in that. Uh, forensics analysts did report there was no banking information or even people who donated, that wasn't compromised at all. So you can definitely tell what level of attacker we're dealing with because our forensics experts and i will just say i'm no expert in forensics i just yeah, i was going to ask you who we're talking about you said there's a certain level so that would be oh well let me just explain so there are different levels of attackers right and here's what i mean not every single hacker or every single cyber threat is all going to have the same level of skill and tenacity or any of that right Think of it like someone who think of it like someone who'd like to burglarize a house, right? There's some people who see a house and they just say, "Oh man, that looks empty. Maybe they're on vacation or something like that." And they may just try to break in, right? That's typically not going to be your average person who has a job or dealing with, you know, a regular life. That might be a group of literal teenagers who are bored one day, 
right? Okay. Who Cri- just crime of opportunity. Right, exactly. It's the crime of opportunity. These are going to be, and in the cyberspace, it's the same thing. If they see a poorly built website or something like that, they may just poke around for five minutes, maybe run some automated tools on it that they found on the internet. It's nothing really tailored to that specific website or service or any of that digital infrastructure, right? Like you said, crime of opportunity. And this literally can be kids that find you know hacking tools online it has happened right however most hopefully most websites and digital infrastructure is safe from that right because you can run these own your these tools on your own infrastructure and find out if you have any problems right that's not tailored towards you it's just crime of opportunity they're not really working too hard on it right then you step up a little bit further. You have somebody who maybe knows their way around it or they've just been doing this kind of stuff for a while and they know a little bit more complex of knowledge. Uh, I will just say every single uh, every single company or government may call it something different, so I'm not really associating a name with it. I'm sure there is a name, but let's just call this your... But generalities. Uh, yeah, attacker level two, right? Yeah. Your attacker level two may know some specific vulnerabilities, know their way around tools and stuff like that. And again, more scanning automated tools, but there's still not anything to worry about. Your attacker, let's call this attacker level three. These people are typically doing a spray and pray approach. These people may be doing it for a while. This may be a small group of organized cyber crime. And they say, hey, we have this little hacking group. And they scan the entire internet for, let's say, the Log4j, right? The Log4j virus. Which Uh, which we talked about on this show. Right, the Log4j vulnerability. And they will say, hey, hey, this looks like it is vulnerable. Let's attack these specifically, right? And see if those work. And if it's a false positive, they just move on. If it isn't, they will inspect and see if it's... If it isn't, they'll inspect and see if it is a, a vulnerable and attack it, right? These people typically only want a little bit of money, maybe some information to give to uh, dark web sources and stuff like that for to sell that data for more cash, right? And then we have the attacker level maybe... F- what was that? Four, right? Five and six, really, right? These are going to be people who your average person is not going to have to worry about, right? Because you have your, oh, by the way, these people are called advanced persistent threats, APTs. They do have a name and they're very, very famous. Right? Are these the people who would, for example, hack the colonial pipeline? Yes, that these are the people who have done that. These people are literally highly skilled attackers, highly trained Uh, We also call them nation-state threat actors, right? Because they are paid by nation-state. And I'll just say, it doesn't matter what country you live in. Your country does it, and so does every country as well, right? Any country, any sophisticated uh, nation that you can think of has nation-state attackers of its own. So it's not just, oh, they only do this. No, everybody does it. But... These people are, hey, I'm going to attack a pipeline, right? I'm going to attack a banking infrastructure. I'm going to attack, uh, let's see, the the Department of Energy in any given country. These people literally, att- and they're all not always money motivated either. They might be looking for data. They might be looking for proprietary information, government secrets. They might be looking for what the other nations uh attackers are doing so my point is there's levels to this right and as a part of when i was reading about that uh church being attacked they actually said that there were none of these things there were no nation state attackers that were found right any 
any tools, tactics, or processes associated with. So we'll potentially look at the lower level. Right, right, about. and they didn't even try to take any financial data. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not super awful, right? So you do have to realize that there's levels to it, and not everybody is always spending all these resources. Interesting you say that because later in the show we're going to talk about the credit card reach, and they were just giving those away, your personal information. Yeah. That went so, so there's that. You know, I've been using Magic Mind for a couple of weeks now, and I must say the results are amazing. So initially, I felt more alert and not as drowsy in the afternoon, because you know how that can go between 2 and, and 4 o'clock. I've seen people do it. I've seen people at my job just kind of get tired and go take naps in their car. But I, I got to tell you, at this point, after some extended use, it appears I have improved recall. No, this is due to the fact that because now I'm laser focused, which was, well, actually has improved my productivity. I'm able to assist more families, for example, with their life insurance needs over the course of a day. Try Magic Mind for yourself. You can do that by using the link www.magicmind.co forward slash bread and let us know how it works for you. Now, we're all about you utilizing your dollars correctly on here on Breaking Bread, so make sure you use code bread 20 to receive 20 percent off your first order uh, that's discount code bread followed by the number 20 to receive 20 percent off your first order you'll also receive 40 percent off for your first subscription so go to magicmind.co forward slash bread you're listening to breaking bread i'm terry page with me today is Shadow, cybersecurity professional, focuses on offensive capabilities, ethical hacking, and red teaming. Also, cyber physical systems are break and break contributor Shadow. We were talking about hacking and different levels of hackers. I did allude about the uh, credit cards there, Shadow. That that carding our criminal group offers over one million dollars for stolen credit cards, but they're doing that for free. They're giving out your card number, the expiration date, the CVV number, uh, your name, your bank information. You talked about that a little bit earlier about them hacking to the bank, your card type, status, class, your address, uh, 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 the whole nine. If you think about it, your email address and the biggie, your social security number, and of course your your phone number. Sources for that are Leaping Computer, uh, Gizmodo, and uh, South Carolina Media. So talk to me about that how can you as a, a card holder protect yourself from that type of a breach so generally if your card is if you ever think that your card is compromised go ahead and contact your local bank ask them to freeze it go ahead and tell them hey i don't think that this purchase is mine and normally they will work with you i mean i haven't really heard of where people don't your bank doesn't work with you on that kind of stuff. It is a pain. It is a hassle. However, sometimes you just have to do it, right? It's not fun to do, but it, the sooner you recognize that there is an issue and you report it, the sooner that they can catch on to that trend and then start investigating, right? Because on our side, and I will just say I'm a little bit more on the offensive side of trying to be a proactive uh, stop to these types of things but I have talked to a lot of defensive ex experts and I'll just say the sooner they get reports of people 
reporting, hey, I, I didn't make this purchase. Hey, this is weird. Hey, I don't know what this is. The sooner they can start to have a make a trend and say, all right, where are these purchases coming from? Sometimes it's, hey, is there any kind of database that all of these reports have all had their cards in and stuff like that? Hey, where did they shop recently? So honestly, report it as soon as possible and get new cards. I mean, as far as the card holding part of it, as far as the social security number, it's really the same thing, right? If your social security number is breached, you do have to contact your your local social security office and make sure that you figure everything out as far as switching out your number and getting a whole basically a switching whole new your number. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. It, you know what sounds like more fun? keeping the same number that's known to be compromised and your the people identity using being it. Compromised. Yeah, your identity being compromised. So, no, it is not fun. I'm not saying that it is an easy process. Luckily, I've never had to go through it. Uh, I think I did, actually. I have had credit card fraud, but my social security number wasn't uh, compromised. My point is, everybody has to go through it at some point, right? So, uh, it's, it's not good to <laughs> have to go through all that, but the sooner you report it, the better off you'll be. It never is. Now, I noticed that my bank, you know, as soon as something looks kind of suspicious, they're they're contacting me. Yeah, there are right a lot away. of automated tools that do help prevent that. Almost, Which is awesome. Now, is it safe to say, then, that like the more you swipe your card or utilize your card, the more opportunity you have for hackers to gain access to it? I mean, not necessarily. There's a, No. So, I'll just say this. I've never heard that before. I've never really seen any data that would prove that to be true, right? You know, as a capitalistic society, swipe your card as much as you like. The only thing is... Or scan it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But you can't control what that company does with your data, right? If they don't protect your data, I mean, at the end of the day, you can only... You can only inspect their policies as to, hey, this is what we claim to do with your data, right? If you don't like their privacy policy, don't shop with them, right? If you don't like the way that they've handled incidents in the past, don't give them your money, right? But sometimes even a really trusted authority still sometimes messes up and it just happens, right? But honestly, no, it's not the more you swipe... The more you swipe your card, the more vulnerable you are. I've never really heard anything like that. Going with your example, with the with the different tiers of people who use that, if you stop to think about it, in in that example, this is all that they do. They sit around and they try to figure out ways where they can they can have a breach. I was sitting in the the uh, cafeteria of my company one day. This is a few years ago, and hadn't used my card or anything. You know, just sitting there, and all of a sudden getting contacted by the bank in case someone's trying to use your card in in this other state. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. Here's the the double-edged sword with that, right? Let's say you buy something at company A. I don't, doesn't really matter what you buy, right? They store that record for whatever reason, right? Maybe you ask them to, maybe you don't. But they store that record and then years go by. You haven't shopped with them in a while. You found a new vendor that gives you whatever you're looking for with that kind of stuff. But they still have that data, right? And then one day it's compromised. You really didn't have much to contribute to your own data being compromised. It just happens, right? And what more realistically happens, by the way, is some initial attacker will compromise those credit cards and then they will go and sell them on the dark web, right? And then 
you they may or may not know that it's been compromised company a but as soon as people start buying those cards sometimes just in batches on the dark web and then start to actively use them that's when your bank actually sees these weird purchases or weird locations and stuff like that where it's being signed up with services and it's like no that's not a service that this person would use or in a place that this person would use so sometimes just because your card is compromised or somebody knows that information doesn't mean that it's been used yet right so that's the thing it's more of hey is someone actively using that because if they don't make a purchase i mean as your bank how are they going to catch that this is what i find interesting and i've i've heard this from people who actually do this they'll they could compromise they could have your information back in 2019 and not even do anything with it yeah until 2022 well yeah yeah i mean so and then and and that's always a fun time trying to figure out what the heck was going on between 2019 and 2022 right and you know realistically on the on the customer side on the user side right truthfully if i weren't security minded i would probably be looking in the i mean even still uh i would probably look in the last six months of purchases and say hey what did i buy that's a little weird or something like that but it could have been from a year ago it could have been from three years and to ago. your point a place you stopped shopping at several mm -hmm. years ago exactly so yeah. truthfully i mean there's it's a really weird way that you have to look at it right i mean there's no true way to keep yourself completely safe and secure it's sad to hear but it's true right but the biggest thing is when you see something say something report it right and as soon as you see something and you report it you'll be much better off rather than just letting them use your card and all that. oh they love that oh yeah exactly so go ahead full reign yeah so that's the biggest thing if you see something weird or some weird activity go ahead and report it to your bank yeah, yeah, um, I would certainly. Um, Another thing is too, on that. if you know you use certain services and stuff like that, keep an eye on them. Google alerts is a really great way, and just make keep a Google alert for the certain companies that you're looking for, or something like that, that are critical to you and whatever you're doing in your life. And then if you see that there's breaches associated with it, contact that company. Say, hey, how much was breached? Hey, am I going to have to replace this? Is this something relevant and all that? And so working with the company and working with whoever is giving you your bank that's honestly your best bet so you know i was wondering i didn't quite understand this when you're when you're going through the different tiers there and with that um with the the, the uh, church of jesus christ lot of day saints they said that was a state sponsored attack what do they mean when they say state sponsored attack they said that it was a state sponsored attack so that's what i meant by when i said nation state right uh, I saw on a different source that they said it wasn't a state-sponsored attack, but maybe it was, right? Now, the sources on this is, is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, KSL News Radio, and The Register. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I will look into those, but whether it was a state-sponsored attack or not, right? Let's assume it was. Uh, so, state-sponsored attacks or nation-state actors, right? That's the same thing. Also, it's the same thing as an advanced persistent threat or APT. So nation state, state sponsored or APT, they all mean the same thing. That is that tier five and six. Just literally, there is no stronger attacker than a nation state actor, right? Why? Because A, 
they are funded by somebody's country, right? Somebody's government says, hey, I want this information. And it may not always be money. Most of the time it actually isn't, right? But I want this information or this amount of money or this typically data, right? And I want you to attack that. Or sometimes it's, I don't want these systems to be online anymore. I want you to take them offline, take right? Them offline. Mm-hmm. And that is saying somebody's country has paid a large group of attackers, highly skilled attackers, to carry out whatever that goal is, right? Another thing about nation-state attackers is, this is, again, one of those sad things to hear, but it's extremely difficult to find them. It is extremely difficult, even for well-versed cybersecurity personnel, to recognize them. They use the most advanced hacking techniques that there are, right? These people use things like file list malware. They use uh, really amazing techniques as far as privilege escalation and, uh, you know, well, privilege escalation in ways that aren't necessarily orthodox, right? And they literally, there are many, many, many APTs that will compromise a system or a company or even a government, and they'll just stay there for years, five years, seven years, 10 years, just waiting until maybe a certain event happens, and then they will trigger whatever malware they have in place. It's a very scary thought. Strike. Yes, those are the most advanced attackers on the planet. I'm not going to lie, right? And there are many, many a- uh, APT APTs out there, and they are labeled by you know certain numbers. Uh, there are you know APT one, two, three, etc., and that goes up. You also have the UNCs, which is a different type of APTs, and then you also have the FIN groups, which are specifically APTs that are extremely advanced, yet they only go for financial reasons, which is a, a bit rare when you get to the APT level. Because I'm not gonna lie, once you are an advanced persistent threat, you have millions of dollars right so at your disposal should, should we go back shadow and back in the days of you know john adams and ben franklin and use the quill dip in the ink and i didn't say that, that per se i will just say hey it'll take care of the cyber security threat we were talking about sure well yeah it'll take care of a lot of stuff uh <laughs> we could also go back to uh, ip over avian carrier that'd be a pretty fun thing to do basically uh there's a joke in the it community and where we instead of using the internet as it is with all the electricity we just basically put uh have use carrier pigeons and put messages on carrier pigeons <laughs> and send them across the world and see how that fares one air paw revere right so right can, you know. exactly <laughs> uh i will just say though i think it was rates of 50 percent packet loss like half of the information didn't get there <laughs> yeah it's some pretty fun stuff well you know pros and cons yeah yeah but i will just say even though apts are extremely scary and honestly, I could do an entire podcast about them. They are very, very interesting, right? But uh, even though APTs are extremely scary, they're typically not much to worry about for the individual person. I will th- say this. If an advanced persistent threat is targeting an individual, they're likely of high money, status, or power, right? And they typically are a government official, a very high-ranking government official, or maybe a very, very influential uh, company owner or operator or something like that you know a CTO CEO and stuff like that honestly when you when we start talking about APTs these people literally attack countries for 
uh, tons of data. You you remember the solar winds attack? Yes. Yes, that that was uh, the work of an advanced persistent threat. Same thing with Colonial Pipeline. Same thing with a lot of uh, a, lo- a lot of these advanced attacks. A lot of the major and stuff that typically hits the news. And going back to what you're saying earlier about right. you know you could spend the whole podcast. This will more than likely be the last right. um, in studio produce show for twenty twenty two. Before we do our year end, of course, but maybe next year, twenty twenty three, we can oh, yeah. revisit. I'd love yes. to go in depth on APTs have, because have that conversation. APT. They, I will just say, uh, as far as me being an offensive uh, operator, red teams and adversary emulators do exactly that. We emulate their tools, tactics, and processes, often known as TTPs, and basically, maybe a company will contract us and say, "Hey." I'd like you to attack my company in the same way that this APT would, right? We use these things called zero days, right? Now stay with me here, right? Think about it like it's a lot of jargon and I don't want to scare scare anyone off, right? But I'll just say this. Just as... If you can wrap it up in two minutes. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Just as there are known viruses to our biological systems, right? Like your cold, your common cold or flu or something like that, and it's a known virus. Well, then after a while, we can study that known virus and then make some sort of antidote for it, right? Which, you know, comes in the form of a vaccine or something like that. Well, the same thing happens in software. There's a known virus, and then we create a patch. Well, here's a special thing about zero days. The reason why they're called zero days is because they are zero days old. They are not a known virus. For example, if COVID-19 were malware, it would be called a zero day because we had never seen anything like it before, so we couldn't handle that virus. Goodness, no. Right, and that's what APTs use. They use zero day exploits that no one has ever seen before, so no no, uh, I can't even think of it. That's a very good analogy. Right, no malware detection can actually pick it up, right? Because how they work is they say, hey, this software or this malware, really. That's to compare it against. Right, exactly. It, it makes a signature and it says, hey, this looks like something that we've seen before and it's bad. Here's the thing. If you've crafted a zero-day exploit, which isn't easy, but again, it's possible. If you've crafted a zero-day exploit, it doesn't know what it doesn't know. And so it attacks something that it's never seen before and it doesn't know how to uh, protect against that. Right, And so these zero-day exploits often slip through the cracks of things like your Defender, your Microsoft Windows Defender, any kind of uh, virus detection and stuff like that. And it's much harder to find them. Because, again, you don't know what well, you're looking yeah, for. That's what, yeah, what are you trying to find? Mm-hmm. That's what our forensics analysts and things like that uh, look for. And that's why APTs are so scary. They often use zero days, right? So me, uh, as far as the penetration tester, the red teamer, the adversary emulator, I also see if I can craft any zero days and also use really advanced techniques like the fileless malware that we were talking about earlier, the advanced uh, the advanced privilege escalation techniques and things like that to hide from our uh, blue teamers, by the way, these blue teamers being the on the defense side of cybersecurity, to teach them exactly how a threat actor is going to act, right? Because the beautiful part about people like me is we share our intelligence with blue teamers and we share our intelligence with the people who are defending these systems to show them, hey, you may not be able to detect the zero day just yet systematically, but you do see that maybe certain file permissions are wrong or certain system resources are being overused and that's how we find these people. So it does require a good 
bit of in-depth knowledge, but I will just say advanced persistent threats are on their in their own league, right? So there are a lot of advanced persistent defenders that are uh, fighting against them. If you want to know about, um, well, APT, Shadow, what is your Twitter handle so people can reach out to you directly? Oh, for sure. So even though my name is pronounced Shadow, I'll just show you how to spell my Twitter handle. It is S-S-H-A-D-0-W. So it's an extra S on the front and then a zero for the O, and then I have two underscores. So S-S-H-A-D-0-W underscore underscore and that is me on twitter and honestly if you just search the shadow handle you'll find my blog dev.to slash shadow you'll find my youtube channel all of that type of stuff and i'd love to have a conversation with anyone about the techniques that these advanced attackers use yeah that way they don't have to wait till 2023 if they're trying to find something out now oh for sure because that's the thing what we do is we attack just like them and that's the interesting thing even as a good guy i am an advanced attacker to show people how these threats can be emulated well yeah you have to show people it's kind of like a police officer you kind of have to think like a criminal in order to stop the crime exactly shadow thank you so much for for joining us thanks for having me for the uh for the last produced show of 2022 and uh hope to see you again in the uh on the other side of the new year hope we uh capped it off well <laughs> with all the scary things <laughs> well you know it's good to inform yeah breaking bread is a production of artists for the people follow us on twitter at Breaking Bread 101, that's break the letter N as in November, Bread 101, or catch us on Instagram, Breaking Bread Podcast, or check us out on Facebook, or visit our website, breakingbread.biz. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Breaking Bread 101. Give us a listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts app, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music was composed by Ludwig Van Beethoven. Breaking Bread was created by Terry Page. Success is when opportunity meets preparation. Until next time.